0: So we're continuing our uh, series this morning, uh, pray series, and uh, we're in week three, and I'm just going to, we're going to get right into the message today. I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. Um, if you have your Bibles, you could turn there, 1 Samuel 3. If not, no worries, it's going to be on the screen. Um, here we go, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, and I'm going to pause uh, in between a few of the verses. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. I'm going to pause there for a second. So here's Samuel. He's a young apprentice. That's who he is. And Eli is the one that is apprenticing Samuel, and Eli is a priest. The priest's job was to maintain the tabernacle of the Lord in those days. They were to maintain everything, keep the lamps burning. You know, that's, that was their duty. You can read more about that in Numbers chapter 18. And uh, Samuel was a young man, a young boy probably. And uh, it says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Now the Hebrew word right there for word is the word devar. The word devar means something that is spoken. It means communication, speech. The word devar means, another word to say, what that means is revelation. There was very little revelation in those days. God revealing things to people was rare. And it says that there was no frequent vision. There was a lot of religious activity, but God's revelations were rare. Going on, verse 2. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Now, in the Bible, the, it says that the lamp of God had not yet gone out, not yet gone out. And uh, that's another way of saying it was very early in the morning, okay? Because uh, in the tabernacle, part of the priest's duty, and I think Eli delegated this duty to Samuel so that he can get some sleep, right? Because he, the, Samuel would have had to get up multiple times over the night to put oil into the lamp so that it keeps burning. That was part of Samuel's duty. And so... This was just saying it was early in the morning, maybe 3, 4 in the morning. Suddenly Samuel is woken up by the Lord calling out to him, but Samuel did not know it was God. And it goes on. He says, here I am, and he runs to Eli, and he said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, what? I didn't call you. Go lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again. Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Uh, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. I think it's important to note that one sentence right there. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. You see, Samuel was doing things for the Lord. A lot of things. Maintaining the tabernacle a lot of religious activity he's probably heard the stories about god the stories of moses and joshua the mighty exploits he would have heard those stories absolutely but he didn't know god it's one thing to know about the stories it's a completely different thing to know god as you would know a person Samuel did not yet know God. He didn't have a relationship with God yet. Religious activity is not indicative of a relationship. Samuel didn't know God. And he didn't recognize the voice of the Lord because he's never heard it. Now, another interesting thing to note is that in this passage, Samuel thought the voice of the Lord was Eli. The voice of God sounded like a normal voice. Sounded like a normal voice, right? Goes on, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you again, you shall speak. Speak. You shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. The title of my message this morning is Listening in Prayer for Myself and Others. Would you join me in praying? God, we just... Once again, we come before you. You are awesome. You are a God who communes with us, walks with us. You really are Emmanuel, God with us. And now I just want to ask you to pray, just within your heart. Ask the Lord to speak to you this morning. And would you pray for me? Ask the Lord to use me to be of benefit for you. Thank you, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. My sermon this morning is really two sermons in one. I want to first talk about listening in prayer, yeah. Maybe we'll go an hour, okay? I'll try not to. But uh, it really is two sermons in one. Um, I'm going to first talk about listening in prayer for ourselves individually. And then I'm going to talk about listening in prayer corporately. There are two different things, but very important and very, like a very much a big part of this new season that we are entering at Trinity. A new thing. God's doing a new thing. And so it's really important that we talk about this this morning. It's important because... Prayer is the language of faith. We know we have faith because we pray. Prayer marks faith. Because here's the incredible thing about prayer when you pray and God answers that prayer, what happens to your faith? It grows. And so your prayer life grows. And so your faith grows. Your prayer life grows. Your faith grows. They grow together. They're connected. Prayer and faith are connected. They grow together. And as we grow in prayer, as we grow in faith, we grow in our relationship with God. And for any relationship to be strong, there has to be clear communication that goes both ways. Communication is a two-way thing. It's not one way. Have you ever sent a really heartfelt email to somebody and they didn't respond? How does that make you feel? It's like I spent all this time typing all that I wanted to send to this person. No response. How does that make you feel? I mean, rejection? Did this person like even care? Are they... Just, they don't care, you know. Do you know what I'm talking about? It, it does that to you. When communication is just a one-way thing, it breaks, it severs relationship. So prayer has to be two ways, church. It has to be. For our communication to be strong, for our relationship with God to be strong. We pray to God, we hear from God. Prayer is a two-way thing. Now, we just finished our Hearing God seminar this past week, and we heard a lot of, you know, cool stories I, heard, I got to hear some cool stories of people hearing God and um, discerning God, speaking to them and giving direction uh, in really cool ways. And one of the stories is from uh, Laurie Given, who was at our uh, Hearing God seminar. I think he's taken five uh, with us already. Oh, there you are, Lori. You're here. All right. Um, you, he gave me permission, right? We're all good. Yeah. He gave me permission to share this story with you. Um, it's a story of God speaking, but speaking in such a way that sounds like a normal thought. You know, it sounds normal. Kind of like Samuel, when he was hearing the voice of the Lord for the first time, it sounded like Eli. It sounded normal, right? And so this is a story kind of like that. So several weeks ago, Laurie was, uh, he was going to drive someone from our church to the airport. It was Roy, actually, He was in the sound booth. He was on his way to the Philippines, and Roy was going to drive him to the airport, and I believe the flight was at 10 p.m., is that correct? So you have to be there for 7 Right? Something like that, right? No, am I wrong? What's the time? Anyway. Okay. Right. So, um, anyways, if you know Lori, you know that he is a man that keeps to a schedule. He's on time. In fact, he's early. Every week for Hearing God Seminar, he's here at least 30 minutes early, if not an hour early to help me and set up and stuff. Prayer meetings, he's early. He's very good at keeping time. And so he had a plan on when to leave to get to the airport three hours before the flight, right? Now, earlier that afternoon, Lori was saying how just this thought came to his mind that as he drives, he should bypass the, the Highway 8 to 401 overpass. Do you know what I'm talking about, right? To, to, to bypass that. Because how many of you know, sometimes that, that overpass gets pretty clogged up. I mean, I've, I remember sitting there for like 15 minutes before, right? Well, he had this thought, yeah, yeah, maybe I should bypass that and go a different way. Um, but, you know, he entertained the thought for a moment and just ended up going that way anyways. Well, guess what? He wasn't driving. Oh, it was you driving. Okay. Well, that just totally kills my story. So. Okay. I'll just finish the story, okay? How's that? All right. (laughs) Roy was driving. Lori could have told him what to do. But anyways, here's what's happening. They go on the overpass, and you know what happened? It turns out there was an accident or something that clogged that that overpass for two hours. Two hours. I mean, it wasn't a normal 15, 20-minute backup. It was a two-hour wait. Could you imagine? I mean, I could just imagine the stress. If it was just a, a meeting or a, a casual outing to Toronto, okay, but a flight? I mean, you got to get there, right? Oh, man. And it was in that moment, I believe, Laurie realized, whoa, that thought was a God thought. And, you know, that's a mind-boggling thing that God knew that this was going to happen and kind of gave, gave Lori a little warning about that to go a different way. But it was in that moment, stuck in traffic, he realized, whoa, that was God. Wow. And so maybe in some ways it was meant to be, Laurie, because, you know, if you did go through the bypass, maybe you wouldn't have known, right? But when you're stuck in traffic, thinking, oh, I had that thought. It was God, right? How did he know? That's awesome, right? It's incredible. God speaks to us, He wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you more than you want to hear from Him. That's the truth. God wants to speak to us. The question is, how do I know I'm hearing from God? Take the next Hearing God seminar. Let's learn together. Right. Here's the truth. Here's the truth that I found about this journey of hearing God's voice, listening in prayer for ourselves. Okay? Unless God speaks to you in an audible voice from heaven, like a megaphone speaker Lori, don't go over the overpass, okay? Unless God does something like that, or unless God speaks to you through a burning bush, or a donkey, or your pet cat talks to you, or something like that, okay? Unless it's this crazy epiphany type of thing, right? It's gonna take faith for you to receive what God is saying to you. It's gonna take a measure of faith, because God, when he speaks, sounds like our thoughts, Kind of like what it was like for Lori. Kind of like what it was like for Samuel when God spoke to him. God's communication with us will require faith to receive it. I believe that's why Elijah called it the still, small voice. Other translations called it a gentle whisper. It was subtle. It wasn't obvious. It wasn't this loud, booming thing. It sounded like a normal thing. And I think it's described that way because God's still small voice takes the form of thoughts that sound like our thoughts but are from him. Nehemiah in the Old Testament, he put it this way in Nehemiah 7, 5. Then God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. God had an idea for Nehemiah. He placed it in Nehemiah's heart. When you get a thought and it's like comes out of here and boom, suddenly comes into focus, that's often God placing his thoughts in our thought life. This is the most common way God speaks to us individually. Uh, one of my mentors is a pastor by the name of Ray Duerksen. I know I've, I've mentioned his name several times here at Trinity. He's the pastor of Southland Church in Steinbach, Manitoba. It's a tiny town. Not a tiny town. It's a small town. But the church is humongous. It's like four or 5,000 people. It's like a city. The church itself is like a city. And um, just a humble man of God, and he hears from God. And uh, I get the amazing opportunity to, to connect with him on a weekly basis online because um, our vision is to see renewal, to sweep across the Canadian church. We want to see revival all across Canada. We're going to see revival. It's going to happen. In fact, it's happening now. And uh, it's awesome to be mentored by a man of God who is seeing revival just explode in his church. And he shares this story, and I want to share it with you this morning. Uh, Back in the 90s, Pastor Ray Dworkson had a church in Woodstock, Ontario. In fact, he used to live around this area, Kitchener-Waterloo area. He loved to go to the St. Jacob's Farmer's Market. And uh, we still connect over that and be like, hey, remember St. Jacob's? Remember this? Well, guess what? This is what they built now. And he's like, What? So anyway, um, he uh, had a church in Woodstock, and uh, a few years into his uh, time in this church, he just had this thought that he wanted to move back to Manitoba. See, he's originally from Manitoba, originally from Steinbach, and so is his wife, Fran, originally from there, but they were in, they were in Woodstock, and he had this thought, I, I think we're supposed to move to, back to Manitoba. But the thing is, his wife didn't share the same thought. Like She didn't think that that was the way to go. She, God wasn't speaking to her about that. And let me, let me tell you something for married couples. If you're about to make a big decision for your life and one person says no or not yet, it means wait or no. We don't plow through with the one person saying no. It's wait or it's no. And I've shared stories about that in my personal life, where I've learned the lesson hard way. I went off to Korea in 2008. Ali did not want to go, and you know that was a challenging time for us. And I learned my lesson. God speaks through my wife. I I gotta listen, okay? <laughs> for real. But it, Ray had this thought: Yeah, we need to move back to Steinbeck, Manitoba. And his wife didn't er, at, at first didn't think it was the right move until maybe months later. And it became a confirmation. And one of the ways that God confirmed it was through this. Genesis chapter 31. They were doing devotionals together. And uh, they read this passage. It was one of those things where they're like, what? This is in our devotional right now? Genesis thir- 31 verse 3 and verse 13 says this. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your father and grandfather and to your relatives there. And it's like, what? All their relatives are there. And I will be with you. Now leave this country and return to the land you came from. So they took it to prayer. They're like, is this this what God's speaking to us? They read another verse, again in their devotional time, Numbers 14. It says, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them, okay? And so with these confirmations, they decided, yes, it's time to move on. And so they uh, resigned from the church in Woodstock, and they moved to uh, just, outside, just outside Steinbeck, just outside this town, Kleefeld. Look at the sign. It says, a land flowing, a land of milk and honey. They were driving through that town. They're like, What? Whoa, God spoke to us and confirmed it. That's so powerful. It's exciting hearing from God, doing what He says, and seeing it being this total God thing. It's so exciting. It builds our relationship with him. It builds our faith in him. We see nothing is impossible. We see that God is in control, that God is the one who sustains us, that we could look to him and turn to him for whatever we need in our lives because he's with us. The key is discerning when is it God speaking to us? When is it God speaking? And, you know, if I could give you all the steps here are the steps to know that God is speaking to you. If I could do that in 30 minutes, I, I really would. It's not easy. It's not that simple. Again, I want to encourage you. Take the Hearing God seminar. We're going to try to run it in different formats. We, do, we ran it once a week for six weeks. We'll try to do it retreat format. I know for some that's not possible for you to come on evenings. We're going to try to do it in a retreat format Friday, Saturday. Uh, we'll try different things. Maybe I'll, we'll film it. I don't know. But I just really want to encourage you to come but if I could leave you with one fundamental truth, it's this, it's this. And it should be obvious, but I need to say it, okay? Our ability to listen in prayer and hear from God is directly related to our diligence in reading his word. We need to be grounded in the word of God. We need to be in his word regularly so that we could hear what God's voice sounds like. God's word is God's word. It contains his general will for your life. When you need to know it, it's in there. It's in the word. God will never contradict his word. So if a thought comes in your mind that contradicts the word of God, it's not from God. It's not. The word of God is the filter for which all our thoughts go through to discern whether or not God is speaking or not. And this is important for me to say this because, listen, I've counseled people, counseled people that said, God's telling me to do this. And I'm like, no, he didn't. Because it's totally against what the Word of God says. He did not say that. No one from Trinity, by the way, so just saying, okay? (laughs) For real, it wasn't someone from Trinity. But still, right? It happens. We need to know. Because... If we make decisions that aren't biblically based, we're being persuaded by our own desires. And that could get into so much trouble. It it can break our relationship with the Lord. It can break our relationship with each other. It's very dangerous. And I believe this is one of the reasons why churches are afraid of talking about this topic of hearing God. And so what happens is theologies are created. Boundaries are created that block people from this important aspect of our relationship with God, hearing from God. It's so important. And when we do that, when hearing God is blocked, if a church blocks people from that, teaching people from that, all that we do becomes religious activity. All that we do is for head knowledge And just like Samuel, we run the danger of not knowing God. It's very dangerous. And so for us at Trinity, rather than blocking people from hearing from God, we want to see people grow in hearing God and be established well in hearing God through his word. So stay engaged with the word of God. You'll be in a better position to hear from him clearly. God's voice sounds like his word. We need to be in his word. It's an amazing journey to hear from God. And now I want to transition to listening prayer for others. This is where things can get very exciting, yet we need even more teaching and training. I shared this story the other day at Hearing God uh, at the past Hearing God seminar. Um, It's a story of listening and prayer for other people. Um... A couple of years ago, I was doing a wedding uh, for a couple here at, at the church, and um, I have a set kind of template on uh, how a wedding ceremony goes, and even the, the wedding sermon. I have a few different uh, sermons, you know, prefab sermons, you know, and um, I had one that I was preparing. I, sorry, I prepared, and it was in my computer, and uh, their wedding rehearsal was on Friday night. And we went to the rehearsal, everything was great, and that night I was going to work on the sermon a bit more, and guess what happens? My computer crashed. It wouldn't even turn on. And I'm like, what? It's not turning on. No! I mean, it's a wedding. I mean, wedding, you know? There's so much pressure, man. I'm just like, oh, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? The computer doesn't work at God. So I turned to God. I was horrified. I was like, God, Help! help. If you're listening, help me. (laughs) Please. And God, suddenly I had all these thoughts flood my mind about what to say. And it started with a picture of the bride and about who she is, about her characteristics, about the things that I saw in her that were um, just her passion for the Lord and And her gifts and her, you know, things that God was revealing about her gifts and her her talents and what makes her heart beat, you know, for the Lord. And the same for the groom. Uh, This is who you are and this is. And and so it was almost like a prophetic thing, Uh, you know, just outlining their identity in Christ and how those two identities, when they come together, forms this identity. And uh, I was like, wow, that's genius. I'm not that smart, okay? I can't think of things like that. I was going to preach a generic sermon. Love is, you know, here's a sermon on love. And I don't know about you. For those of you who are married and maybe you remember or maybe you don't, your wedding ceremony, let me tell you something. About my wedding, I remember nothing that this pastor said. I just remember he spoke for 30 minutes. I mean, he could have been preaching on the book of Leviticus. I have no idea, no idea what he said. It was a sermon. He wasn't addressing us. He was addressing something and i have no idea what it was i just remember thinking i can't believe i'm still standing up here oh my goodness you know it was just it's a frightening time how many of you remember right the wedding day it can be like oh, oh, oh man You're not i wasn't listening but speaking directly to them and about their identity in christ i mean they were listening And I hope, my hope and prayer is that they take what they heard and actually apply it. It was useful for them. And now, you know what? That's how I do weddings now. Oh, that's genius, Lord. I don't need a prefab sermon. I'll just hear from you and tell them what you think of them. And you know what? That works even for people I don't know. There was this one couple that called me out of the blue, no idea how they got my number. They just asked me, Can you do my wedding? Can you do our wedding? I was like, okay. And we met a, just a couple times, um, an hour each time. And then it was the ceremony. And I did the same thing. God, what do you want me to say for this person? And he showed me. These are, the, this, these are the, the bride's strengths. And these are the ways the groom can help her in those strengths. These are his strengths. This is the way the bride can help him in these strengths. When they come together, they're this. And I was like, whoa. And I spoke that you know, message to them at their wedding. And afterwards, I mean, we knew nobody there. Their friends came up and said, hey, how long have you known the, uh, the couple? How do you know them so well? And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I don't know them at all. But God does. God does. When we listen in prayer for others, we are revealing the heart of God for other people. That's what it is. Listening in prayer for others is exciting. When God gives you details about someone to help them, to encourage them, to build them up, it's powerful. And that's what prophecy is. That's what prophecy is. 1 Corinthians 14, 1-4 four says this, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may Prophesy. It doesn't say especially tongues. It doesn't say especially healing. Although those are great things. It's especially that you may prophesy. Why? For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. No one knows what he's saying, but he utters utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding. Everyone say upbuilding. And encouragement. Everyone say encouragement. And consolation. Let me hear you say consolation. Consolation. Prophecy is upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Period. The one who speaks in the tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Prophecy, listening in prayer for other people, has a purpose to build up and to encourage. It doesn't say break down. It doesn't say discourage. This is important for when we listen in prayer for each other. If what we sense in listening prayer, if it's not upbuilding and encouraging or console, consoling, it's not a prophetic word. It's a rebuke. And that's totally different. That's not even in this category. I could preach a sermon on it next time. It's not a prophetic word. But God is raising up the prophetic in this church. It's exciting. What we need to do, church, is build a culture of building up one another, especially in our day, especially in this day and age, when so many people are struggling with despair, depression, self doubt, self hatred, self worth. The devil's loud. And when a Christian adds to that, that's horrible. That's not God's will. That's not God's plan. That's not prophecy. We're called to build one another up. God wants to be our strength, and he wants to use the church to speak into these areas in people's lives. Furthermore, listening in prayer, in a group, for others, it's a communal thing. It's a corporate thing. At Trinity, we don't have a resident prophet who is the one person you go to for a prophetic word. We don't have name tags that say prophet so-and-so. It doesn't work like that. We don't have that. It's not Pastor James is the only one that prophesies. It's not Pastor David who's the only one that prophesies. Listen, Listen, we all can hear from God. We all can be used to speak into each other's lives. It's a beautiful thing, and it's happening here at Trinity. It's exciting. 1 Corinthians 13.9 says this, We know in part, we prophesy in part. No one person will get the full picture. When we're praying for people, we're getting words, no one person is going to get the full picture. We'll each get a portion of it. Now, I want to encourage you. If you haven't come out to a Wednesday night meeting, I know for some scheduling, uh, it's it's difficult, but come to a Wednesday night prayer meeting. It's amazing. This happens on a Wednesday night. When we gather together, we hear from God together. We pray for one another, and God speaks through one another. It's amazing. If you're going to miss church on a Sunday, which, of course, we don't want you to, but if you're going to, okay, don't miss a prayer meeting. Come on Wednesdays. It's so incredibly upbuilding, right? And and oftentimes, we'll, we'll be sitting there, we're praying for one person. Let's hear from God together. And one person will be like, you know, I just have this picture of this. And another person will say, me too. Or I have this scripture verse that ties directly into that. That's what God gave me. And it's like, whoa. You just realize we are in the presence of God. God is speaking. And it's incredibly, incredibly encouraging. It destroys the thoughts and accusations of the devil that have been so loud over the week and suddenly a prophetic word says, get out of here. It's amazing. When we listen in prayer for each other, we are in the midst of the presence of God and it's powerful. And I want to close by saying this. I believe, and this is my opinion, so I, I say that to, to let you, you know, think about what I'm about to say, either confirm it, take it to the Lord, confirm it or challenge it. But this is my opinion. I believe, just like it was rare in the days of Samuel and Eli, for God to give revelation to his people. We here in North America went through a season where it was rare. Notice I use the past tense. It was rare. It's changing. But there's some good things that happened over the last several decades in the body of Christ in North America. We have an incredible wealth of knowledge of the Word of God. If you want to know about the Word of God, I don't know how many bookshelves of commentaries we could fill in this church. It's incredible how much we can know about the word of God. There's such a wealth of knowledge. But God is doing something new. There's a shift taking place. And I believe he's building upon that knowledge, building upon the knowledge of the Lord so that God's people can hear him better When he speaks, the Holy Spirit is moving. He's revealing the heart of God and giving specific direction, specific guidance for his people for this time we are in right now. We need it for this time. Jesus people movement's happening again. We have all these people who have no clue how to hear from God, but the church is going to show them how because we can hear from God. And I believe, amen, amen, I believe God is doing this because he is fulfilling Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, where it says this, and it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. It doesn't say speak in tongues, which is not a bad thing. It doesn't say cast out demons. It doesn't say heal the sick, which are good things the mark of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is going to be prophecy. Prophesy, hearing from God for other people. The church is going to walk in this. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. This is talking about a corporate anointing, a move of the Holy Spirit that will affect everyone at the church. And it's happening here at Trinity, and it's going to continue to grow. Hallelujah. It's going to continue to grow. You know, I want to close with this story. <clears throat> I just got to share this story. A few weeks ago, we had the amazing opportunity to pray for our president, the president of the EMCC, our denomination, came. He lives in Calgary. He came to this church, our church, to our prayer meeting. This small church on the corner. He could have gone anywhere. He came here. What an honor. And he came into our prayer meeting. We sang. We worshiped for a little while. And then we said, President, we want to pray for you. He was like, okay. And he got down on his knees. And we had maybe 25 or so people at the prayer meeting. And a whole bunch of us stood up and laid hands on our president and started to declare The word of God, to pray, give him scripture, give him words, give him uh, encouragement. It was amazing. And he wrote me back and he said, It was wonderful to come into your strangely wonderful room. And he heard from the Lord that day. God spoke to him, Our president. What an honor. And guess what? I didn't say a word. I stepped back and I had a proud pastor moment. I was like, thank you, Lord. The people are getting revelation from you stronger than I ever could for our president. Thank you, Lord. More. Do it again. More. God's equipping us. He's training us because what is happening here is for an entire generation out there who are desperate to meet God. They are desperate for God, they are desperate for belonging. They get lost in the internet, lost. And our source of belonging comes from Jesus. They need that, but they're so turned off of religion. They're so turned off of religion, but they're hungry for the real. Let's show them the real thing. So let's pray. Let's listen. Let's obey the direction of God for us. And I believe we are going to see signs, wonders, miracles, and a great harvest coming into the kingdom of God. We are going to, although we've been hearing about all these great things happening overseas, we're going to hear about great things happening right here. Amen? That's right. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we turn to you. Our eyes are upon you to hear from you, to be led by your spirit. Your word says those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. We are the sons and daughters of God in this place. We want to be led by your spirit, God. Help us not to go. To the left or to the right. There are two ditches on either end. One ditch says, This stuff doesn't happen anymore. The other ditch takes it to a whole degree that you never intended. Help us to stay out of the ditches and stay focused on you and the tracks that you lay out for us as we walk in your spirit to see transformation in this city. We love you and will never stop. All this is for you, God. Have your way and make your name great through us. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful long weekend. Yeah, it's a long weekend.